0: Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. We're going to talk about a musical segment tonight. I figure I should dis- do this distinction when we talk about films, when we talk about music, because over the weekend was the Super Bowl. It's been talked about, it's been analyzed, but for those of us who grew up listening to the music in the 90s, it was a moment Hip-hop hasn't always gotten the love that it deserves. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe because hip, hip-hop is, you know, outside of the norm. I mean, now it's on the radio. But I remember a time when it was not always on the radio. And then they would have to edit it. Especially if you watch the, the videos from MTV in the 90s. You know, like, especially songs by Snoop or Dre. <laughs> they were really edited. And now artists can just do whatever they want because the videos are on YouTube. It's in a different platform. And the halftime show was very impressive. Some are calling it the best. There is a list of some of the best halftime shows. For me, I mean, you know, I don't like to put one at number one or one at... Okay, I, I, off off my hand. I'm gonna say the Prince, Prince's 2007 halftime show was magnificent. The Rolling Stones, because I love the Rolling Stones. That was a great one. Lady Gaga's halftime show. Uh, what's another one? I mean, because there have been some good ones. There there have some been some. Uh, questionable ones um, that I don't want to I'm I'm not a big Michael Jackson fan I do remember the Diana Ross one because it was epic and she left in a helicopter (laughs) but I'll save the next one for the future but this was I, I had been excited about this the week leading up to it I mean you've got Snoop Dogg Dr. Dre Mary J. Blige, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, and then who made a surprise appearance? Fifty Cent. Um, I think it's kind of sad that you all are are body shaming and fat shaming Fifty Cent, and at the same time he's having fun with it. It doesn't seem to bother him because he can bounce back, and he's very very rich. So you know, sticks and stones can break their bones but he's got money and that won't hurt him Um, I've always had a, a profound respect for 50 Cent not just as a businessman but as an MC. you know what you think of what he went through and then to come out the other side and that's the other thing all of those performers are connected Snoop Dogg got his start on Dr. Dre's The Chronic 30 years ago and then they did doggy style big album in 1993 Mary J Blige Mary J Blige worked with Snoop for the uh, no more drama album they did the song family affair together it was it was one of her biggest songs Kendrick Lamar Kendrick Lamar signed to top dog entertainment and basically was brought in by Eminem and Dr. Dre, who both appeared on his albums, executive produced his albums. 50, you know, and, 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 um... And then he also worked with Tupac. You know, that's why they did California Love. But Eminem is very interesting. Here's why. The people who signed Eminem were very hesitant Dr. Dre, you know, went through this bag of tapes and heard that, Hi, kids, you know, my name is... Or no, not the tapes. It was another... He had heard a demo. And he met Eminem. And then he had him do some lines or, or some lyrics in the studio. And boom, that's how he came up with My Name Is. And then he tracked it. And he wanted to sign him immediately. And usually that takes a couple of months to sign an artist... And they were hesitant because they were like, he's got blue eyes and blonde hair. But it was another version of the Beastie Boys, but in a very different way. So all of those artists are connected because they all worked with Dr. Dre. And Dr. Dre helped to facilitate that halftime performance. People have picked it apart. I loved it. I loved it. Is it one of the best? It's on the list. It's not the best, the best, but it's on that list. I also feel that those who didn't like it, well, they're showing their true colors. They're showing their true colors. And hip-hop has always been here to stay, whether you like it or not. It is our music. You think of the generations that really took hip-hop And, you know, you've got Snoop, and you've got Dr. Dre. The 90s and beyond. I mean, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, I listened to them growing up. I listened to Mary J. Blige growing up. 50 Cent. I remember listening to 50 Cent when I was in college. And then around 2013-14 is when I first heard Kendrick Lamar. And it blew me away. I heard about it also because... This Olympian was, had gotten in trouble and was quoting, bitch, don't kill my vibe. And I thought, okay. But then I listened to swimming pools drunk or drink. And I thought, whoa. I'd never heard anything like that. He was on a whole nother level. And he was taking everything that all of the hip-hop artists from Nas to Snoop to Dre to NWA to Ice Cube... And rock. Eric being rock him. These were all his influences. And in public enemy. And merging them together for his own style. He is the only hip hop artist ever to win the Pulitzer. So it, it was a moment. And this, this halftime show. I wanted to talk about it briefly. We're going to talk about a film. It was a moment. And... I'm just glad that I was able to witness it. But at the same time, you're always going to have haters. You're always going to have haters. And our, our country has a big, big problem with race. And when it comes to performers like Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre, music really is the universal language that we all speak and it brings people together and you think about it you think of the kids who bought snoop Doggy dog's Doggy style white kids black kids asian kids hispanic kids gay straight bi trans i know all the words to Doggy style i'm not going to repeat them for you because it was just no no and then doctors raised the chronic that really, it set a bar. Dr. Dre is one of the most interesting musical producers of all time. Because he puts his spin on things. You know, the pian- uh, if, you, if you listen to Mary J. Blige's Family Affair and you hear the pianos, that is Dr. Dre's trademark. Or if you hear I Ain't Mad At You um, by Tupac, that is Dr. Dre's trademark. California Love, California Love. Pac wanted to be on it and said to Dr. Dre, "I'm new on Defro. Come on." And the rest is history. And then, and another, a couple years or decades ago. <laughs> yeah, decades ago. Um, I remember hearing Gwen Stefani's. Rich Girl And I thought okay You know uh, That's why digi- digital Music it's great that at the same Time we don't have The booklet you have to search online For who works on the album And with The CDs and the, or the vinyl You know you could see what producers Worked on what And it wasn't until I read It That I wasn't surprised who worked on Gwen Stefani's Rich Girl was Dr. Dre because her her solo album Love Angel Music Baby you've got Andre 3000, Dallas Austin Dr. Dre, Nelly Hooper Jimmy Jam and Terry Lutus, Ter- Terry Connell, the Neptunes and like Mary J. Blige's Family Affair and like California Love Rich Girl has those pianos and they're very kind of thumping. And, and, and then the beat. That, that is Dr. Dre's trademark. So you think of all of those artists on Sunday that he brought together. That he's worked with. From Kendrick Lamar to Eminem to Mary J. Blige to Snoot Dogg to, to 50 Cent. They all have that trademark Dr. Dre sound. and as an artist that's enormous i mean you know we're always going to talk about the the rock producers the hip hop producers i mean if you it's a changing landscape and from the chronic to 2001 this has really just been it's it's a whole nother level. You know, and Dr. Dre started out as a DJ and he started out in NWA The Marshall Mathers LP. I mean he they you know he's awarded producer of the year by the Grammys and um but yeah as as a as an artist really it's it's a, it's enormous. It's enormous to have someone of Dr. Dre's stature. And, <laughs> you know, when he was doing California Love, and when that first came out, he says, I've been in the game for 10 years. And then at the Super Bowl, he's like, I've been in the game for 30 years. <laughs> he has. It, it, it's, it's truly astounding and more power to him. So get rich or die trying. Fifty Cent, that that's a big album, and of course you got to do in the club, produced by Dr. Dre and uh, Elizondo, Mike Elizondo. Eminem is also on the album. You know, Dr. Dre always puts his stamp on really great albums. And then eventually he left death row, and went on and and did his own thing. I remember when Dr. Dre left, and it was kind of like okay. And he started Aftermath. He started Aftermath, and an Anderson Pack who was also at the Super Bowl playing drums. I mean, that that's a moment. This all of these artists brought together by Dr. Dre. So aftermath entertainment was uh, started with Interscope and Geffen, and there's a really great documentary about the relationship between Dr. Dre and uh, Jimmy Iovine. But I remember when Dre came out with um, Dr. Dre presents the aftermath, and it was, and then and then later did you know produce the supergroup the Firm. But it was real his comeback really was the slim shady LP. That was his comeback. That really put him back on the map. Was that he produced this uh, this brand new artist along with Mark and Jeff Bass and, and Melly and Melman. And so the, it's it's a whole new ball game. But that, that halftime show, that that's a moment for those of us who love hip-hop and grew up with that genre, or I shouldn't even say genre, with that life. I mean, that's, that's our soundtrack of the 90s and beyond. So stay tuned for the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. We're going to talk about a film and uh, let's have some fun.
1: beard gets yanked out so quick that the essence still feels like it has work to do on here would you stop rambling i don't think i'm rambling i'm just answering a question you got an attitude now i don't have an attitude yes you do have an attitude we have a little discussion if you didn't have an attitude you would not have raised your voice to me now would you damn it't god damn it, no Go you, god damn it. don't you take the lord's name in vain with me you understand I don't take would that you relax no you relax you're the dead guy you want me to help you? you better apologize oh, i don't Jesus. take that from That's said, what you I'm, doing? Doing? I, I'm leaving nobody talks to me like that you understand me now you better apologize
2: i'm sorry i apologize okay now would you sit down please he's apologized I need you to tell Molly what I'm saying, but you have to tell her word for word, all right? Word for
1: word. Yes. He wants me to tell you what he's saying word for word.
2: Molly, you're in danger.
1: Hey, you can't just blurt it out like that and quit moving around when you could start to make me dizzy. I'll just tell her in my own way. Molly, you in danger, girl.
0: And Molly was in danger, girl. <clears throat> Good evening, and welcome to the Doctor Zeus Film Podcast. Whoopi has been in the news, but we all make mistakes. Whoopi Whoopi's been around a long time, and that clip is from very a very rare instance where a comedic performance wins an Oscar. Whoopi had been nominated before She was nominated for The Color Purple Playing Celie Johnson And then In 1990 Starts filming Ghosts With Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze Whoopi Goldberg to this day Has said She owes her Oscar To Patrick Swayze and when Patrick Swayze died even then she furthered that and she said, I wouldn't have that Oscar if it wasn't for Patrick Swayze. And that chemistry, a lot of other actresses had auditioned for the role of Odame Mae Brown. Tina Turner was being considered, others were being considered. But Patrick Swayze said out of all of them the chemistry that he felt the most was with Whoopi Goldberg as Otome Brown. Otome Brown was this character who was doing, you know, that she claimed she could contact the dead and was basically a fraud. Then one day, this guy walks in and changes everything. And those are the really great performances and as a, as as a comedian, come on, there's nobody better than Whoopi.
1: sister will be with us soon. Sister Otome, grant us the gift of your all-seeing presence. Appear before us now. Mrs. Santiago. Buenos dias. I'm Otome Brown. I understand you wish to contact your husband. He'll be with us today. Thank you. Thank you. But you know, Mr. Santiago, there's no telling about that other world. So you've got to be a believer, Mr. Santiago. Are you a believer? See. Si. No, wait. I'm feeling something. Did he know someone by the name of Anna? Consuelo? Lucita? Julieta? Josefina? difficult it's two of them i'm not sure i can do that it's it's so trying it's oh. i pay more how much how much twenty dollars
2: oh way to go milker for every penny
1: It's not true. Towards us, I see him. He's coming. He's there. He's dressed in a black suit. Black suit?
2: Could be blue. What a crock of shit!
1: Who is that? Who? Are Where, are Where are you? Who you? Who you? Did you hear it? Where are you? Who are you?
2: Me? Sister, do not you hear him? I don't need this. Hey you. you? Hey you. My name is Sam Wheat. Can you hear me, Sam Wheat? Say my name. Say it. Leave me alone.
1: Say my name. Sam Wheat. Sam Wheat. Sam Wheat. Say don't it. Talk to me, old man. Say something. What are Sam Wheat? Jesus. Sam Wheat. But I swear no more cheating. I promise. I'll do anything. I'll do penance. Give me penance, but make that guy go away. No way.
0: <laughs> isn't that interesting that comedic performance I think Whoopi had been preparing her her whole life she was a comedian she did improv she was an artist and I think all those experiences really informed her she did the color purple Her first film, The Color Purple, basically blew everybody away. But it was Ghost that gave her the Oscar. (sighs) Hilarious performance. And whatever, you know, issue you have with Whoopi, and I don't have any issues with Whoopi. It's always about the performance, and her heart is in the right place. Thirty years ago, she did Sister Act. We'll talk about Sister Act at some point. But Ghost, I just want to focus on this comedic performance. That's in in this crazy time that we live in. Those are the best or those comedic performances and Whoopi was so great at delivering them
2: I'm no here to fill out a signature card for a new account
1: Can I help you? Yes, I'm here to fill out a signature card for a new account And do you know your account number? 926-31043 926-31043, 926-31043.
2: 31043 Miller. Who? What? Tell her Rita Miller.
1: Rita Miller. Didn't they have you sign a card when you opened the account? Tell her Carl Bruner opened it for you by phone and asked you to come in today. So you see, Carl Bruner, he he opened it for me by phone, that accountant, and now he's asked me to come in today. Hi. Is that right? All right. Just sign this card on the bottom line, please. May I use your pen? Miller, <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know I I need another one. I signed the wrong name.
2: <laughs> now tell her to make sure it goes straight up to the third floor file because you have a transaction to
1: make. Please make sure this goes right up to the third floor file because I have a transfusion to make. A what? Let's go. You know what I mean. <laughs> Can I keep this pen? Uh um, uh yeah yes yeah, yeah, sure. Thank you so much. Sir. Bye-bye. Yeah, keep the Why are you always
2: is it? I suppose I could talk into losing the hat. Hey, mess with me, you'll be here by yourself. I'll tell the guard you're here to see Lyle Ferguson.
1: Hi, I'm here to see Lyle Ferguson, please. Do you have an appointment? No, I'm here for my health. Don't say that. Tell him Rita Miller's here. You you just tell him Rita Miller's here. Just one moment, please. Don't embellish. Yavol. Excuse me?
2: (laughs) Now listen, this guy Ferguson's a real jerk. I've known him for five years, and he still thinks my name is...
1: Why are you whispering?
2: Just be quiet and listen. He's a social moron, so you don't have anything to worry about. Just tell the guard Ferguson knows you had spent time with him and his wife, Shirley, at the Brewster's Christmas party last year. Good. What is this in regards to?
1: What? He doesn't remember me? Oh, we spent all that time at the Brewster's Christmas party last year, he and his lovely wife, Shirley. It was beautiful. Big old tree and thousands of presents everywhere. It... Gas. <laughs> I get a little gas from time to time. That's... So cool. What, folk in me. Well, don't overdo it.
2: Well, listen, this will be easy. Ferguson was so drunk at that party, he could have had a conversation with Tina Turner and he wouldn't remember. Oh, <laughs> Sam. Here we go. Ah. Hello. Hello. Yes. Of course. Yes. Well, uh, it's been a long time. A long time. Ask how Bobby and Snooky are doing.
1: By the way, how are Bobby and Snooky doing? Fine.
2: Fine. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, and how is your uh, family?
1: Oh, couldn't be better.
2: Well, wonderful. Tell them you've been wondering how they did on the Gibraltar securities.
1: I was just wondering, how did you do on the Gibraltar securities? The Gibraltar securities?
2: Well, it looks like we topped out on that. huh? We sure did.
1: We sure did. That was a very useful tip. Good old Randy. Good old Randy. Hey. Got a good old head on his shoulders. Her shoulders. Her shoulders. Her shoulders. Randy. Yeah. So what, um, what brings you here today? You're closing an account. I'm closing an account.
2: Well, yeah, wonderful. Do uh, you have your account number?
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: 92631043. 926...
1: 926- Three one oh, oh four three.
2: 043. Is that right? Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, Rita, it looks like you'll be withdrawing four million dollars from us today.
1: Four million dollars? Say yes.
2: Say yes. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. Mm, <yeah.
1: laughs> yes. That's crazy. Easy. Easy.
2: How would you like that? Tens and twenties. Card <laughs> cashiers check. Tell him a cashiers I check. think better cashiers check. A cashiers check. Fine. Well, uh, of course, uh, you know we require identification. Oh, for everyone.
1: Just, just I Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well I'll uh, I'll be right back.
1: $4 million. Well,
2: we have some uh things for you to sign here. This uh, officially closes the account. And uh here you are
1: Check.
2: It's, uh, are.
1: Mama took the money that she made in the oil wells and she sunk it into gas pumps. You know how they have at the gas station. And those gas stations have five or six of those things, so it's very, very lucrative. It really adds up. Maybe we gotta go say goodbye. Well gotta go now. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. A real pleasure. Now may I say good night to Bobby Snooky for me. I
0: think bye bye. Why you rushing? <laughs> 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 see what I mean? That's third. oh jeez. 30... 32 years that film came out. And it's still hilarious and there's there's more there's more you know i mean that's that's comedic timing right there especially when the check is worth four million dollars i'm gonna buy the
1: building no no wait i'm gonna buy the block i'm gonna make my sister go to a fed farm because you know she's way too big Whoa, no wait ball. what are you gonna do and, and I'm gonna, yeah i'm gonna buy the building. Oh, wait, 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 wait got an idea. Take the check out of your purse. Anything. Oh, you're right. You're right. I should take it out. I should put it where nobody can get it. No, no. Endorse it. No, if I endorse it, then if I drop it, somebody will get it. No,
2: I just... It's it. not your money. I never said you were going to get the money. This is blood money. I was killed for this money. Now, endorse the check.
1: Hey, but Sam, what are you going to do
2: with it? Look over there. To your left.
1: You don't think I'm giving this four million dollars to a bunch of nuns?
2: What do If you don't do it, they will track you down. Your only protection is to get rid of it.
1: oh Sam, come on! You're killing me. It's four million dollars. Think
2: of it this way: you'll go to heaven.
1: I want to go to heaven. I want to go to back and cast a goddamn check. Hello. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. Yeah. Thank me later. How you doing?
2: Now endorse it, Vita Miller.
1: No. Mm. Oh.
2: Make it out to St. Joseph's shelter. I believe you're making me do this.
1: Give it to her. I will, I will. I just want to feel it one more time in my finger. That's just give all. The, feel the lady the chicken. I will!
2: Hand her the check. You can do it. Give <laughs> her the check.
1: Oh, no! <laughs> Bless you, child. Bless you. <laughs> Give it to her. <laughs>
2: let, let go. Let go!
1: <laughs> <Yes. Huh?
2: laughs> I'm proud of you, Otome.
1: You know something, Sam? I don't care if you're proud of me. You stay away from me from now, and what is that not gonna do with me? I can't even buy underwear, nothing. I hate you. Leave me alone. Never talk to me again.
2: I think you're wonderful oh, to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so here's a, a weird fact, a very sad fact, is that when Whoopi won, she was the first black actress in over 50 years to win. You wanna talk about fuckery? 50 years. And in between that, you had a lot of other black actresses. You had Ethel Waters, Dorothy Dandridge, Diana Ross, Cicely Tyson. Did they win? No. In fact, when Whoopi hosted the Oscars in 1999, she joked and said, I thought the blacklist was me and Hattie McDaniel. Shit. She had a point. And she was very aware of that. And very historically enough, the night that Halle Berry won in a lead, Whoopi acknowledged that because, you know, Whoopi was nominated for a lead performance in The Color Purple. And so she wins in supporting for Ghost. And... That's. it's always been a weird thing Uh, people of color whether you're uh, black you're Hispanic you're Asian they usually say oh you'll get you'll get a supporting nomination that's another dose of fuckery and that's part of Hollywood Hollywood is I always prefer the actors who choose not to live in Hollywood Uh, I myself have been to Hollywood I've visited it is not a place you want to live it's a place where you go to work a lot of ways to facilitate the art form, but you don't live there I've always felt it in fact for for shits and giggles each time I would drive to l a to visit friends, I would always put on motley Cruise, doctor Feel Good because I felt like I was going to hell because it's it it's a weird place huh. but the academy is still you know um it's good to know that Whoopi is a member of the academy um in fact today I think they announced that uh, You could vote for your favorite film on Twitter Very interesting So And we're doing this because It's Black History Month And like I said Whoopi, Love her or hate her She's a trailblazer First and foremost I love her as a comedian Because she's just hilarious that that um, famous off-Broadway and then Broadway performance that she did. Fontaine or Why I'm Straight. That's what it's called. Directed by Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols gave Whoopi Goldberg to us. If it was not for Mike Nichols, may he rest in peace. We wouldn't have those performances. She wouldn't be on The View pissing people off. At the same time, making people think. Ah. <sighs> So, from Seely to Oda Mae Brown to uh, Sister Mary Clarence, and I, I loved Sister Act. How could you not love Sister Act? And then, and then it's her, and it's Kathy Jimmy and it's um, Mary Wicks, the late Mary Wicks, and then Maggie Smith, and even Whoopi was aware of that. When you work with Maggie Smith. That, that's a moment. Uh, uh, in fact, a couple years ago, when or in fact twenty years ago, when she hosted, she last hosted the Oscars, and her and her humor, she's going through the audience and she says, "Oh look, the Smith family was seated together: Will, Jada, and Maggie Smith." <laughs> yeah. Now the year that Whoopi won, you know, there's always this talk about. A supporting performance. In terms of your screen time, yes, Judy Dench has eight minutes of screen time. She won for Shakespeare, of Lo- Shakespeare in Love. Whoopi has longer screening time in Ghost. And at the same time, you, you know, yeah, you wonder, okay, what, what, what happens to Oda Mae? And if you've seen Ghost, it is a roller coaster of emotions. It is a roller coaster of moments. But we'll be one Best Supporting Actress. And if I can look at it, we're gonna we're gonna play a clip. Ghost was even nominated strangely for Best Picture? I shouldn't say Strangely. It was a good film. I'm not a big Demi Moore fan. Talk about Demi less. So she's nominated against Annette Bening for The Grifters. Lorraine Bracco for Goodfellas. Diane Ladd for Wild at Heart. And Mary McDonnell for Dances with Wolves. Now remember, this was the year that Dances with Wolves, or as I like to call it, Dances with Bunnies beat
2: out Goodfellas. Here we go. ...to one of the five talented women who were nominated as Best Actress in a Supporting Role. If they're as apprehensive as I was last year, it would be sadistic of me to prolong the agony. So, the nominees are Annette Benning I mean, in The Grifters, Lorraine Bracco in Goodfellas, Whoopi Goldberg in Ghosts. Ladies, it's a five-way tie, but this envelope is one name, and the Oscar goes to Whoopi Goldberg.
1: My brother's sitting there, he says, thank God we don't have to listen to anymore." You can do it now. My mom's home, everybody's watching. I have to thank the people at Paramount. I have to thank Jerry Zucker for taking the time he took before he decided to use me. Because it it meant he was sure that it was for me. I had to thank Patrick Swayze, who's a stand-up guy, and went to them and said, I want to do it with her. I want to thank to me. I want to thank everybody who makes movies. I come from New York. As a little kid I lived in the projects and you're the people I watched. You're the people who wanted made me want to be an actor. I'm so proud to be here. I'm proud to be an actor and I'm going to keep on acting and thank you so much.
0: Whoopi has said that. I think it was she did Oprah's master's class she talked about her and the other nominees all had lunch either before or after and she gave them all a gift to acknowledge that they were all in it together even though one of them has to win and yeah 50 50 years think about it Hattie McDaniel won in 1940 For Gone With The Wind. For playing Mammy. Whoopi wins 51 years later. For Ghost. Things have changed. The Academy is still a weird place. A weird institution. I did a show the other day, or last week, remember, on The Academy. And Seth Rogen going after the academy and said no one really cares about it and I said I beg to differ especially if you are in the different branches if you are in the screenwriter's branch the cinematographer's branch the editor's branch the director's branch the costume design the visual effects the sound sound mixers because a film does not get made without those individuals and the and the actors, yeah, the actors get all of the adulation and, and the screen time. But even Whoopi is aware of that. That you have to, you got to work with everybody on that set. You don't look good. The grips, the gaffs, the, the 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 sound people. So. It, and it does matter. It does matter. Whoopi has done a lot for the for the homeless and you know her real name is Karen Johnson and she said of the name Goldberg, it's in her family tree. Uh so you know I Ah, <sighs> yeah. You know, she made a mistake. She made a mistake. I didn't want to address that, but yeah, she made a mistake. We all make mistakes. And that doesn't take away her humanity and she's still she's still whoopy. So, if I, am looking for her stand up. Her her stand up is legendary. She's done stand up for the homeless. Her and Billy Crystal, and Robin Williams. Uh, if I can find it, the one the one woman show. You know that one woman show. That's really how it all started. And she'd been working in Berkeley. She'd been doing um, improv improv theater. And she incorporated that in her stand-up. I, I love her stand-up. Her stand-up is so many different characters. Here we go. lady
1: with a disability and all of the characters I created. I was in the beach with, like, all my friends. Or, like, all my friends with me. I don't know. We're all together. I'm like, it's, I mean, this total hunk, Ola, okay? This total hunk comes over to me. And it goes, like, Hi. And I was totally not ready for, like, this heavy conversation. You know? <laughs> so, like, you know, like, I said hi, and he said hi, and he said hi. Okay. So, like, then he said he was having a party, and said I want to guess? So I said, okay, and he said, okay, and he said, okay, okay. So I came to New York, and they did it. And uh, for the first two days, nobody came. And then a, a, an amazing review got written. And the next thing I knew, um, Bette Midler was in the audience. And then there was... 15 people in the audience, and then 30, and then, you know, full capacity, and then uh, we were able to extend, and then Mike Nichols came, and he said, I I love the show, Uh, I'd love to produce it for you, I was like, oh, okay, and I thought he was kidding, and my phone rang, you know, about a month and a half later, he said, this is Mr. Nichols, I was like, hi, uh, how you doing? He was like, I'm very well. I said, like, oh, I'm good. They said, would you like to talk about places we might do your show? And I said, you were serious. I thought you were kidding. He said, no, no, I was serious. And I said, well, I don't know if you want to really take me because, you know, I'm, I'm sort of hit and miss sometimes. Sometimes I really suck. And he said, when was the last time you really sucked? I said, well, I think a couple of weeks ago I did a show and I thought it really sucked. He said, Look, do you think you suck more often or less often? And I said, I, I think I suck less off. And he said, well, I'm willing to gamble on that. <laughs> it's okay. And then six months later, uh, we were at the Lyceum.
0: And the rest is herstory. So think about that. Those are, those are some breaks that don't happen to a lot of people. And Whoopi has Whoopi has done every job. She talked about that. She was a beautician. She was a bricklayer, but always at heart, she was a comedian. She was a performance artist. So to arrive where she's at now, she's worked hard, you know. And yeah, we live in in council culture. And I was kind of stunned when I and I saw it. I thought, okay. But I know in her heart she didn't mean it. I don't know her personally, but you could just tell. And we, like I said, we all we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We're all human. So, and that's how the performances come out. Even performers make mistakes. I've said this on this podcast. That's why I have a, I have an issue with live performers who want it to be perfect. Beyonce, I'm talking to you. You have to fuck up every now and then. It's just a part of it. Even when I do this show, I fuck up. And, and like I said, I've had friends say, well, maybe one of them said, oh, you know, you should do your homework more. And I said to her, you don't do a show. And I said, and I prefer to do it spontaneously. I don't believe in writing it down. That's just not me. I put it in my head what I'm going to talk about, and I pull from it. And that's no disrespect to her, and that's no disrespect to anyone. And I've been doing this for four fucking years. And I can say that with ease and and that word as well, you know. I, I often joke when I record the show have my grandmother is in my ear saying, I can't believe you're going to say that word. She hated that word, even though she herself said it every now and then. And I remember one time I got in trouble for saying it at school. And my mother said to me, you know, you could say fiddlesticks." And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I still have a sailor's mouth. But it's not as bad, you know, what I've learned now is recording when I record... That's my time to talk. I've learned now to just shit sit sit down and shut the fuck up. And just watch and observe. Even if someone is saying something that I want to I have a, it, you know, I have an opinion on, I will not say anything. That's why I've said before when I'm around certain friends who I don't agree with politically, I don't say anything. I shut the fuck up. I do not like conflict I really just don't it makes me sick to my stomach I don't like it so and you know we can all just live vicariously through Whoopi, who deals with conflict if you've ever watched the view it's the view is not the easiest program to watch every now and then I'll watch it Every now and then I'll disagree with them. You know, um, yeah, these are these are crazy times. But that's why comedy is so important. That's why Whoopi is so important. Even someone like Bill Burr, who I don't agree with all the time comedy is important i also want to stress that and i've said this before and some people have disagreed with me i don't think joe rogan is funny at all i never have and i cringe every time he says he's a stand-up and i'm thinking you're not a stand-up in the stand-up tradition of carlin of Pryor, of lenny bruce of margaret show of the late bob saget joan rivers even Joan, Joan Rivers pissed people off. But Joan Rivers... There was always a method behind the madness. That's why I really liked her. I, I know people who don't like Joan Rivers. And that's fine. But I always took something away from her, her humor. I love what she said. there. She, oh, we'll talk about this at some point. That I have on the show before. About her documentary, A Piece of Work. Um, which is so honest. And so brutal. Um... And, and, and even Whoopi you, you think of all uh, all the people that came before Whoopi and all the people that came after Tiffany Haddish and Monique Aisha Taylor I mean there's so many great female stand ups Rosie O'Donnell we, they all learn from Whoopi Deborah Wilson, Deborah Wilson of Mad TV, who loved loves Whoopi. They're all in solidarity, and so I thought we would just talk about comedy and how important it is. You know, I could tell some jokes that are not mine, but it wouldn't be appropriate. You know, um, Whoopi Whoopi told some really great jokes. About what it means to be black Joan Rivers told some really great jokes About what it means to be a Jew And to take that, that What her family went through In the Holocaust And to try to make light of it I can't tell that joke Because like I said That's not my story That's their story Or Richard Pryor growing up In a house of ill repute A whorehouse basically But it sounds better when we say... uh, Basically, Richard Pryor's life... You could say is the House of the Rising Sun song. You know, there is a place in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. That's his story. So... That performance in Ghost, though... You don't have it without Patrick Swayze. Patrick and Whoopi. if, If more so had more of a chemistry than him and Demi. I mean, yes, there's it's a romantic film. It's a romantic film. It's a comedy. It's a supernatural thriller because you've got the element of what happens when you die and then those those around um, Patrick Swayze's character who do bad things and end up being carried off to hell or whatever it is. So, yeah, Ghost Ghost is one of those films that makes you think and I had seen a meme today of it was a parody of *Mommy Dearest*. Oh God, that movie! And Christina Crawford is looking into the mirror, and someone had superimposed Whoopi Goldberg saying, "Molly, you endanger girl." <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. So that's the Doctor Zeus Film Podcast. Uh, we started off talking about the Super Bowl halftime show, which I very I, I loved it. A lot of people were talking shit about it. And that's the other thing I want to say is that all of you, y'all like to body shame 50 50 cent because 50 cent is not as buff and as lean as he usually is. And I say, fuck you. I, I think we all need to stop body shaming people. He might be going through something or at the same time, he's got a lot of money. I think he could give a give a rat's ass about that. In fact, I know that he made he, he made light of it. That that many of you all are are body shaming him, saying, "Oh, what what happened to Fifty Cent or 50? But I loved I loved the halftime show. As someone who grew up listening to hip hop and hip hop, I'll say this: the stuff that's on the radio now is not hip hop. It doesn't have its edge. When I was a teenager. Okay, you've got to understand something. In the 90s, it was the East versus the West. It was Biggie Smalls, and Puff Daddy. And on the West Coast, it was Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Tupac, Snoop. It was the East versus the West. And even too short, and E-40. That was when hip-hop had an edge. You didn't fuck with hip-hop. It had an edge. It had an edge just like punk rock just like heavy metal and just like rock from the counterculture years you think about that the 1990s you've got grunge and you've got hip hop and at that moment the center of hip hop basically was in the early 90s was Compton the home of NWA and you think of how those seeds were sown and they splintered off. You've got Dr. Dre and Ice Cube. How how does that song, Straight Out of Compton, start out? Straight Out of Compton, crazy motherfucker called Ice Cube. And Dr. Dre starts it off though with saying, "You are now witnessing street knowledge," because that's what NWA really was doing was talking about what's going on in the ghetto. That was the CNN of the ghetto of that era. So. Those who came before this generation, my generation, who grew up on this, we totally get it. We totally get it. And then there's the younger generation. Oh, God. I don't get it. Well, that's okay. Educate yourselves. You've seen the halftime show. Snoop kicked it off. Dr. Dre kicked it off. I love what Whoopi said about it. How it was a good moment for hip-hop you got Mary J. Blige, the queen of hip-hop soul. You've got Eminem, Anderson Pack playing the drums, 50 Cent, and Eminem. And Kendrick Lamar. And I wanted to say, that says a lot about, you know, everyone's always saying Eminem is the greatest. Eminem doesn't let it go to his head. But he did do that song, Rap God. But what I love, uh, Eminem was being interviewed by Sway. And he says, you know, the greatest lyricist right now of all time is Kendrick Lamar. And that says a lot for him to say, hey, you all think I'm the greatest? Kendrick Lamar is the greatest. Kendrick Lamar, as I've said before, the first time I heard Good Kid, Mad City, my, my mind was blown away. He just didn't hold back. And it was in this grand tradition of these great artists that came from Compton. NWA. In fact, he inducted NWA into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2016. <sighs> so yeah, comedy and halftime show. I, I, I loved both of it. I I, I That halftime show, that's the other thing. People were like, well, Prince was, Prince had the best. Nobody said this is the greatest. This was a great moment for hip hop. And I wanted to tie it in because Whoopi has always been a supporter of hip hop. She's a baby boomer. Many of the baby boomers didn't get hip hop. She got it. She understood it because it's sampling all of these songs that we all, that her generation grew up loving like James Brown, Motown, Chic. You think of, you think of the, that hit, um, Sugar Hill Gang, the hip hop, the hip hop and you don't stop. That bass line is sampled from Chic's, uh, Good times. So she gets it. She gets it. A lot of comedians, think about it. Comedians and hip hop go together. Got Chris Rock, you've got Margaret Show, Dave Chappelle. They're cousins. Hip hop and, and comedy are cousins. Because you could do a hip hop song and just really make it hilarious. And then at the same time, you can make it very, very serious. And you think of the of Snoop Dogg's flow, or Dr. Dre's flow, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, 50 Cent. 50 Cent can be funny, too. I've said this before. The first time I heard Eminem, I remember I was watching MTV. We didn't have MTV, but my cousins had MTV I remember, I think I was at someone I was in high school with, I was at their house And we were doing a project That we had to film And there was MTV And everyone's singing along to it Hey kids, you like Primus? Want to see me stick one of my 9 inch nails to reach one of my eyelids? That was Eminem people, people didn't know What to make of him It was like, okay It's a white rapper, it's kind of like the Beastie Boys Okay Oh wait a minute! Oh shit! Oh no! This is uh, this is not the beat. This is this is people were offended by it. <laughs> I didn't like Eminem at first. I thought, okay, all right, but then you started to realize, oh my god! And it, and it was Dr. Dre who brought it. We wouldn't have Eminem without Dr. Dre. We wouldn't have Snoop Doggy Dogg without Dr. Dre. We wouldn't have Mary J. Blige's Family Affair without Dr. Dre. You wouldn't have 50 50 Cent without Dr. Dre. And you most certainly would not have Kendrick Lamar's major label debut, which was released 10 years ago, without Dr. Dre and Eminem. So that halftime show... It was amazing. If you have an issue with it and say, Well, you know Prince and Michael Jackson, that's fine. We can all agree to disagree. But don't knock it down. And I think this country really has a problem with that. You all have a problem with black artists making it, especially hip hop. And, and and I'm and I'm telling the truth right there. You have a problem with these kids who grew up in the ghetto. Who have made something of themselves. They're in the mainstream. They're not just in the mainstream. They're they're everywhere. This is universal. Everybody knows who Dr. Dre is. We all wear the headphones. The beats. Everyone knows who Snoop Dogg is. Everyone knows who Fitty Scent is. Everyone knows who Mary J. Blige is. And everyone knows who Anderson .pack and Kendrick Lamar are. And so the halftime show proved that. It was it was just amazing. That's what I will say. There's there's a list for me of people who really brought it with the halftime show. This halftime show, Prince, The Rolling Stones cuz I love the Rolling Stones, Lady Gaga, and the other I'll save for the future. But I, I also let's not let's not sleep on Whoopi. This comedian, this actress who brings it wears her heart on her sleeve. So as always, unpleasant dreams.